Sneaky Emu, a place where we want to discover the wonders of the world, the beauty of God that are ever before us, that sometimes we overlook or occasionally fail to see. My name is Seth, and this is episode 100. Episode 100, we made it. Can you believe it? If I had other buttons to push that sounded like there was a party, I would push them. Here's some buttons. Let me see what happens. No, that's not a good party sound. No, that's not. No. Yep. Oh, okay. Let's, okay, let's try it again. Episode 100. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you. You're too kind. Oh, let me try it again. You're too kind. Uh, I'd like to say thank you to my mom. Thanks for listening. You, you've been a great audience. Thank you to, oh, I need to give a big shout out to Hank. Thank Taylor for listening. Thank you, buddy. Yeah, I couldn't have done it without you. Uh, also, uh, to my wife, thank you for listening to her. Uh, the list is just the list is just so long. Um, anyways, okay, that was fun for a second, wasn't it? Yeah, we did it. Uh, now the question, of course, is uh, you made it to a hundred, but um, were they good? <laughs> it's a it's a it's an issue of quality over quantity because you could have a hundred pieces of garbage. Uh, that's not helpful, but hopefully there's been some stuff along the way that has been helpful, insightful, made you think, made you laugh, made you cry, but in a good way, not in a, I can't believe I'm listening to this sort of way. So we have arrived. I don't know what it means. I don't know where we go from here. Probably nothing. Uh, but it's a sign of something. It's a sign of something. We have done something. It's we, uh, we are, what, uh, we are creating the world. We are, we're not creating the world. We're shaping, we're contributing, we're gifting things. You are hopefully learning and growing. Uh, this is, is it the, is it, is the, is the metaverse the thing where they, um, you get to like create this, uh, other life sort of thing in the virtual world? Is that, is that what that is? Like we are contributing to the, the metaverse, the OG metaverse, which is just what you would call life. And we are uh, putting something into it. So that's kind of neat, kind of fun, kind of cool. So episode 100 um, that I don't have a name for, but I, th I have an idea of something that I want to talk about that I think is, is really important and I think is, is a good, like, it's a good 100th episode conversation because over the past year, to, uh, two years, however long it's taken us to get here, uh, hopefully, um, you've grown and, and matured and, uh, become maybe a bit more enlightened, maybe, um, at least hopefully for me, I have as well, like where I was at two years ago with how I think about things is, is hopefully not the same place that I am. I'd like to think I've, I've moved forward a bit. And so I think the things I want to talk about today kind of speak to this, like, uh, broader, deeper understanding. And, and so what I want to do is I want to give you like three or four instances, maybe five of, um, of where the Bible says one particular thing, but then later on, it says something a little different because what you will see in these is that, uh, it's actually teaching us. It's teaching us about God it's teaching us about how to live. It's teaching us about um, kind of this idea of of growth. It's about growing. It's about expanding. It's about uh, including. 
which to me all speaks to kind of like who God is. So I think this is a good, this is a good, this is a good idea for the 100th episode. Okay, so let me show you a few things. Number A, number one, okay, um, in uh, kind of the history of of like the Jewish people, right? The, the Bible, I don't know if it if it directly says it, but it kind of points to it. And I know this from from some of the history studies I've done. But w w the first thing is this: uh, what you see, what we kind of know, coming out of the Bible and based on the Jewish people, is that uh, like the Jewish people really hated the Samaritans. It seems like a weird place to start, but stay with me because once we line all these things up, this is going somewhere. Hopefully, good. Uh, the Jewish people hated Samaritans. Um, this goes back to like uh, during during uh, like the uh, times of captivity, I, I believe Babylon, where there was a, a group of people that were left behind, and then God gave them clear instructions to not intermarry with other nations, and the people who were left behind who weren't in captivity ended up intermingling with, I believe, the Babylonians, and their offspring became known as the Samaritans. It could have been the Assyrians either. I don't, I didn't, I don't know. Either way, they, the Samaritans are essentially a, a mixed race of God's people and a foreign nation. And so through the uh, eyes of the Jewish people, the Samaritans were like uh, half-breeds. They were less than. They, they, loathe the Samaritans because of they were not true to God's instructions. In fact, um, one of the things that I, I've, I learned a while ago was that they would actually have a time of, uh, of public cursing in the synagogue during a church, like during their service, to curse the Samaritans and to pray that God would not allow them into heaven. Okay, like this is a deep, deep sense of hatred. So that's where the people were. But then if you get into like the Gospels, what you see is that Jesus tells a story in which the Samaritan is the hero, right? You're familiar with the story, the Good Samaritan. Uh, and, and I think we've talked about that, that passage uh, a while ago, but um, I've talked about it in church. And basically the idea is, um, you know, the, the, there's a guy who gets beaten and left for dead. And then the priest and the Levite walk around the guy. And then the guy who actually rescues the guy and does the good thing is the Samaritan. And it's all tied to this bigger question of who is my neighbor? Because in the first century, this was, this was a huge question because this is one of the guiding principles for, uh, who you treat and how you treat them sort of thing. And so if we have this hatred for the Samaritans in our heart and the people ask Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story that makes the Samaritan the hero. And then at the end of it, he says, and he says to the guy who asked the question, and who is, who is, who is the one who's done right? Or who is the neighbor here? And, um, the guy who asked the question says, uh, the one who showed mercy on, on the half dead guy, right? Like he can't even say the name. And so kind of, there's this idea of like, who's your neighbor? Well, who do you hate? And maybe it's that person and learning to love or show kindness to them that actually um, is, is the key to like part of your salvation, like that's to, to, to helping you to move forward. So this group of people that the Jews, the, the Jews had this like discrimination, animosity against 
But then when you get into the time of Jesus, what you see is Jesus is going, yeah, 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 but love your neighbor as yourself, love your enemy. In fact, uh, your neighbor is the person that that you hate, and they hold the key to your rescue. Yeah, so this whole story, from from their perspective, this from our perspective, looking at where they were at, this is about moving these people forward into living a better life, into living a more loving and God-like sort of, of way, okay? So that's number one. Number two, if you go back to the Old Testament, um, you see things about uh, that, that are written down. Let's see, Jeremiah 25. Um, there's this whole list of things, right? Jeremiah is a prophet, and, and they're going through all these things, these people groups that um, are not like good not good people that that um are you know evil for the sake of, for the lack of a better word um you get in jeremiah 25 uh where'd it go and it's talking about the cup of god's wrath and and who uh let's see verse 15 uh this is what the lord the god of israel said to me which is jeremiah take from from my hand this cup filled with the wine of my wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. When they drink it, they will stagger and go mad because of the sword I will send among them. So these are, these are different groups of people and, and towns and whatever that uh, have somehow incurred, according to Jeremiah, occurred the, the coming wrath of the Lord. And what you see in that is um, this whole, whole list of people, but one specifically Let's see where to go. Is the people from Uz? Uz, Uz. So it says, um, talks about Jerusalem and the towns of Judah, its kings and its officials, to make them a ruin and an object of of horror and scorn and curse, as they are today. Pharaoh, king of Egypt, his attendants, his officials, and all his people, and all the foreign people there, all the kings of Uz, all the kings of the Philistines, Edom, Moab, Ammon all the kings of Tyre and Sidon, the kings of the coastlands across the sea. So there's just this whole long list of people that uh, are, are people groups that are in some way somehow uh, standing in opposition to God, that are sinful, evil type of people. And um, Jeremiah is saying, like, God is going to pour out his wrath upon these people. Okay, great. That's in the book of Jeremiah. But then... There's something really interesting that we see happen. Uh, there's this guy that comes along, um, and now there's much debate about um, literal, figurative, uh, how, how literal, figurative the story is. But when you get into the book of Job, <laughs> it says this, Job chapter 1, verse 1. In the land of Uz, there was a man, lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil, right? Then you've got uh, like 42 chapters in the book of Job or however many it is. But so the, the, uh, the Bible on one hand is pretty clear that the people from us are evil and deserving of God's wrath. But then you have a story about a guy from that people group who was considered to be blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil, right? So... Here you have another example of how the people that are in some way, shape, or form hated are actually now put on a bit of a pedestal 
as being like an example uh, of people who are in fact in line with God. Right. So it's kind of an interesting, it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic where the Bible says this one thing, but then it points to this other thing that kind of undermines the first thing. Okay, let me give you another one. Um, let's see here. Let's go with uh, this one. Okay, in Deuteronomy chapter 23. Deuteronomy chapter 23, uh, exclusion from the assembly. So these are all rules and laws about like who's allowed to come to the gathering when, when God's people are coming. You know, they're, this is in the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And this is all about... Um, this particular section, they come out of slavery into the desert, and God is teaching them this whole new way to live, and he's giving them instructions about the temple and how to treat each other and when to gather and how to gather and how to bring the offerings and all this stuff, um, which we will talk about in a second, actually. Yeah. Um, and so it says this. This, this is um, the, the list of rules and ideas for why why somebody would be excluded from gathering in the assembly when they gather before the Lord. Deuteronomy 23.1, no one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. No one born of a foreign, a forbidden marriage, nor of any descent may, uh, of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation. Uh, no Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, not even in the 10th generation. So it's this whole long list of people who aren't allowed to come into the presence of God. So that first line, no one who's been emasculated by crushing or cutting, you're talking about um, essentially what what you might call <coughs> a eunuch. By um, in the second one, no one born of a foreign marriage. So you've got foreigners there that are not included. Uh, no Ammonite or Moabite, and it keeps going, obviously. But so. In Deuteronomy, it says, yeah, 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 these people are not allowed to come into the presence of God. Now, if you look at, if you move forward to the New Testament, you see in Acts chapter 8, um, there's this story of Philip in the Ethiopian. Do you know this story? You should be familiar with it. The Ethiopian eunuch. So this 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 guy's a eunuch is, is a person who's uh, essentially... I don't know if it's fully castrated, but basically they're they're not um, <laughs> what they're not. Uh, I don't know how to say it. They're eunuchs. You can look it up. Yeah, um, and and he was a guy who was uh, served the queen of the Ethiopians. And so what they would do is they would castrate these men uh, or have some sort of thing that their manhood would essentially be taking from them in a way that they would not be a threat to the queen and that they were considered like uh, it was a higher calling, all this stuff. Um, so it says that this man, uh, Philip and, uh, crossed and this man crossed paths. So God sends Philip, God sends Philip in verse 29. It says the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and he heard the man reading the Isaiah, the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked, uh, how can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So they sit down, they have a chat, and then eventually the guys, uh, let's see, verse 36, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? 
They gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When he came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. So in Deuteronomy, it says that foreigners and eunuchs are not allowed to enter the assembly of God. But then in Acts, the Spirit sends Philip to have a conversation with an Ethiopian eunuch, a, a, not only a foreigner, but also a eunuch. So he is doubly not allowed into the assembly based on Deuteronomy, based on Deuteronomy 23. Deuteronomy 23, is that the right thing? Yeah. Um, but then in Acts, we see that God sends Philip to him, and he ends up being baptized. He ends up stepping into the family. He is now accepted and brought into like this relationship with God. He, he has now become a part of the story. He's entered into the very thing that the Deuteronomy says that this guy, especially with the two counts against him, should be excluded from. Yeah. So, but I thought they weren't allowed to be a part of things. I don't know, because here God says, yeah, 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 go get that guy, bring him in. Allow him to experience the grace, the love of God. Allow him to be a part of the family of God. He is now one of my children. God, he is now a part of the assembly. So there's this movement from exclusion to inclusion, which is really, really interesting to me. Uh, let's do, uh, let's do, let's, let's do, let's do one more right quick, right, right quick. And then we'll move on and, and have a discussion about this. Um, same thing in Deuteronomy chapter 23. We just mentioned it. The, okay. The, no one who's been emasculated, uh, no foreigners, uh, no Ammonite or Moabite. Okay. This is interesting because then when you get into a story like, uh, the in the book of Ruth. In Ruth uh, chapter 1, verse 4, it says this, um, they married Moabite women, one named Orpha and the other named Ruth, right? Obviously, the whole book is about, is about Ruth. It's got her name on it. So Ruth is then this foreign woman who is a Moabite woman who, according to Deuteronomy, should not be allowed into the assembly, who is excluded from from being in the presence of God. She now shows up in the Bible. She has her own book. And then if you fast forward into uh, Matthew chapter one in the lineage of Jesus, right? The things that we talk about, or actually this is the thing that we skip over during Christmas. What you see is uh, Matthew chapter one, verse one, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of Jacob, blah, 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 blah. Skip down to verse five. Solomon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, who also was a foreigner and was a prostitute, by the way. Uh, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Yeah, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. So Ruth is included in the genealogy of Jesus. So in Deuteronomy chapter 23, where you're seeing all these uh, people... Uh, people groups that are excluded from being in the presence, being in the assembly, uh, the presence of God, we also see that like there's a movement 
that actually this whole thing is expanding and now they are being included in it. And not only are they included in it, Ruth specifically, who is a foreigner and a Moabite, who is called out in Deuteronomy, is now like one of the ancestors of Jesus. Like she is part of the lineage uh, that his line runs through that brings forth the savior of the world. Yeah, isn't this fascinating? So when you look at these things, right, uh, God's people hated the Samaritans, but then Jesus tells this story that uh, the Samaritan becomes a hero. Then you have uh, Jeremiah, the people of Uz are evil, but then there's a story about Job, who was the most blameless man on earth. Then you have this story, the, this instructions about who's excluded, the foreigners, the eunuchs. But then in Acts, there's a story of the African eunuch, the foreigner and a eunuch, who is now welcomed into the church, into the family of God. In the same passage in Deuteronomy, the Moabites are bad. Um, they're not allowed to be a part of God's people. But then you have a whole book dedicated to Ruth the Moabite, who then becomes like the great, 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 whatever, grandmother of Jesus, right? Th this whole thing, this whole story, this whole book, this whole Bible that so many people use as a way to exclude or keep people out or to point the finger and to show people what's wrong with them is actually this giant movement that starts with like prejudice and discrimination and animosity and, and all the, all the, all the ugliness of humanity but then is moving, the Spirit moves God's people towards openness and welcome, uh, being more welcome, being more inclusive, being more acceptance, being more accepting, and then like bringing affirmation to more and more people. So this story is always moving forward. It's always expanding. The story is always expanding to bring more and more and more and more and more and more people into it, right? To me, this is the beauty of the Bible. This is the thing that we fail to see and occasionally overlook. This is the giant sneaky emu that on one hand, what seems to be a whole lot of lists and rules about who's out, what we see is if you look at the larger story, it's actually a setup. The, the the exclusion part about who's out like is just pointing us to the idea that what <laughs> that eventually that place that the, the, those people who are out are probably going to be in right it's just saying this is where we started we started from the bottom now we're here <laughs> we started from the bottom now the whole crew's here like it 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 just keeps expanding so to me, when, when I think about this, like, man, this has so many different, this to me has been one of the, one of the big like shifts in my way of thinking because I grew up in a, in a place and, and most, a lot of people have where most of what church is about is about a, and granted, um, my church was great growing up. Uh, you know, the, the work my dad was doing was fantastic. I love him to death. Um, and, and it was a very loving place. I'm talking about what I've gleaned from my general church experience and being connected to other churches and seeing church in our culture and religious people and Christians in our culture. And um, what it seems like is, oh, hold on. What it seems like is so much of, of what's happening has to do with 
uh, who's out? Who, who do we keep out? It's about limiting. And what the story of the Bible is, is, is it's continually expanding. This to me speaks to, to us about like who God is, the nature and character of God. It speaks to me, to us about like how we should live. I mean, think about, and I'm pretty sure we've talked about this. When you think about just how the world functions, like on, uh, if you, um, like from a scientific perspective, um, and I, I'm, this just came to me, so I'm probably going to not get it exact, but you'll get the idea. When you get down into like the atomic and subatomic levels and how like this world is put together on, on its most fundamental level, right? You, you have all these little tiny things called particles and these particles, they, they like get together and they form um, like atoms, I believe. And then the atoms like they all come together and they form different molecules and then the molecules get together and they begin to form different like uh, material things. Like you have a, like H2O is hydrogen, right? One hydrogen, two oxygen. These are atoms that are formed of particles. Uh, those, those become molecules that then create water. So everything like is coming together and bonding together in a way that it's actually creating more stuff. So there's this expansion. It starts at this most basic individual level, but as things come together, it actually grows and takes on uh, new traits and characteristics. When you look at something like um, even how the church is talked about in the in like through Paul and stuff, this idea of of uh, we being one body, that the church is one body. Well, what is the church? The church is a group of individuals who are coming together um, in, in love and respect and worship of God. And in doing so, as they come together, as there's unity in the church, they become this larger, like organism, this body. So the same way that particles bond and become, um, atoms and atoms bond, we got molecules. We as individuals, like we come together to be this church. And as we come together to be this church, we become this body, this body that has a sense of agency in the world that we are doing and shaping and creating. Uh, we are participating in reality. We are uh, creating the metaverse. We are creating our own. We are shaping and guiding our reality, our world. We can influence. We can make a difference. And it's this incredibly beautiful thing. So this whole story is something that is is continually growing and expanding. Um, when you When you um, think about, uh, what this speaks to us about, like who God is. Um, I think this idea of moving forward is it's, it's all, it's all throughout, it's all throughout the Bible, right? Again, I think this is the thing that we overlook when you take not just these passages, but when you look at something like, um, the rules that God seemed to initiate <clears throat> when they come out of Egypt. They've had all this time of living in Egypt. They've seen how Egypt functions, They've, the Egyptians function. They've seen how they understand the gods, that you have to bring all these sacrifices to the gods to keep them happy. When God brings them into the desert, he begins to create all these new new rules and new laws. And um, like the idea of the sacrificial system, people look at that and they go, oh, you know, it, it's, it's a bit rough. It's a bit barbaric. It's a bit brutal. But what you have to understand is that when God did this, God didn't, God didn't create the sacrificial system. That was already how people understand and interacted with the gods, that I have to sacrifice these things in order to keep these gods happy. And there's all these different gods that control all these different aspects of the world. There's the sun god, the moon god, the rain god, the 
the desert God, the mountain God, the river God, whatever. And so that's a lot of sacrificing. That's a lot of, that's a lot of walking on eggshells to keep everybody happy. And so when God takes him into the desert and says, no, 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 we're going to have one service. We're going to have, there's one God, we're going to have one location. There's going to be certain times of the year that certain sacrifices are offered um, for particular reasons. Like God is actually curtailing. God is limiting like these people's need to continually be killing and sacrificing animals um, by doing this. He, he is not creating this to say, I need the blood to keep me happy. Therefore, that way you will be provided for. No, no, no. This is God going, okay, this is where you're at. Uh, I'm going to meet you where you're at with the understanding that you have a giant misconception of who God is and what God is like. And I'm going to develop these rules around what you already believe in such a way that it actually is helping you to step forward. We're taking this concept and idea that we're just going to sacrifice all these things all the time. There's blood and guts and animal hair everywhere. And we're going to go, no, no, there's a particular time and a particular place for this. So it allows them to take, it's like step A, it's like moving from A to B. Okay, now we're at this place. And then what you see later, even the idea of, of like the cross, the cross is like bringing into the violence, essentially, like, and, and even at, uh, sorry, I got an itch on my back. At one point you have this idea, um, where God is talking to the people and he's like, I don't need your bulls and goats. I don't need the blood. Like if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you like this whole time, the, the sacrifice wasn't ever for God specifically. It wasn't to appease this God. It was to appease the people and how they understood the gods. And so this God is actually helping the, helping to move them forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You used to be there, but now I'm trying to get you to a better place. It's kind of like a um it's kind of like AA, really, isn't it? It's <laughs> it's this, hey, we've we've got this, we've got this issue, we've got this problem, I've got this thing that's kind of beyond my control um that, that I am subject to. And so I want to participate in these meetings to help get me clean, to help get me better, to help have a, a, an accountability. But the goal ultimately is to be free from that addiction, right? So the, the goal is to continue to move forward. And, and even when you look about it, when, when you look at like the larger, broader story of the Bible, uh, it starts with one particular people group, uh, one particular person, actually, the, you know, with Abraham, who has many sons and and actually many sons had father Abraham and I am one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. So it starts with Abraham starts with one person, which grows into a family, which grows into a tribe, which grows into a people, which grows eventually when they get into the promised land, a whole nation, but it's still, these are God's chosen people. It's a nation of God's chosen people. But the goal of that. Uh, is even to get beyond that because their job is to reveal to the whole world what this God is like. And they haven't done a great, they didn't do a great job at it. And so then Jesus comes, right? And then this message begins to go out beyond the Jewish people to the Gentiles, to the rest of humanity, to the world. So the story starts with one guy and one people group and then expands to the rest of the world, right? This is... This is everything that we were just talking about in, in these examples. The Moabites are bad. Oh, wait, Ruth's a Moabite, gets her own book, and now she's in the lineage of Jesus. Right? The people of Uz are evil. Oh, here comes Job, most famous man on earth. 
Oh, no eunuchs or foreign foreigners allowed into the presence of God. Oh, here comes the foreign eunuch that is now baptized, is now a part of the God's people. Oh, God, you know, uh, people hated the Samaritans. Oh, the Samaritan is actually a hero in the story, right? This whole thing is expanding and moving forward and becoming more and more inclusive. So when it comes to like how we live and who we are and our faith and our spirituality and all these things, like, uh, it should always be growing and expanding because this is who God is. We should continually become working to become more loving, more inclusive, um, more accepting, more affirming of others. Um, you know, when I, I was watching this, I was watching this documentary, uh, the other day, uh, it's that it's a newer one. Um, it's called God forbid, I think is the name of it. I think it's on Hulu. It's a story of, uh, the Jerry Falwell Jr. story. If you're familiar with all that, him and uh, his wife was hooking up with this pool boy and it's a whole thing. And they do a lot of history of like, it's just, it's fascinating. It's maddening. Um, they, they do this history on Liberty University and how both Jerry Falwell Sr. and Jr. through the years got very good at pointing to all the things that were wrong in order to generate funds for what they were doing. So if you go back into uh, seniors' time frame, he was around when um, when they were when desegregation was starting. So what did he do? He created his own school, and because of uh, the separation of church and state, and because um, he was under some sort of tax exempt thing and religion and church and all this stuff. He was able to create basically a, he was able to continue in some way segregating this Christian school under this God-shaped banner. And then uh, as it moved forward, there was, you know, like uh, they were very much, um, it was anti-gay in the 70s, it was anti-abortion. And then there was, there was just like this whole list of things that they just kept pointing to, to make the enemy so that people would support their cause because they were the church and they were defending and they were doing what was right. And they were preventing the the country from becoming, you know, uh, from going to hell in a handbasket, all this stuff. And then the son takes it and he kind of runs with that. And they build an empire that was basically, uh, it, it was built on exclusion, right? We are the right ones. We are the good ones. We have the proper channels. We are in that kind of story. You can create, a large fan, but you can actually build an entire university. And actually what they show is you can actually sway an entire election through this kind of exclusion. Yeah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting, uh, little, little story that happens there. Interesting. Uh, also I kind of wanted to throw up, um, cause it's just, uh, it's yeah. So anyways, they, what you see in situations like that is that they are not growing and expanding. And really, if you live in that mentality, like, for example, if you know somebody who, who from a religious perspective, quote unquote, has things figured out, we know who God is. This is what the Bible says. We just follow the Bible. God says this stuff is wrong. Here's what it looks. When, when you are right, when you are continually right in what you believe, there's no need to be open to another conversation. 
because you're right, you've got it figured out. So as things get a bit crazier in the world, um, that's all on them, right? That's just more people who are going to hell, if you will, because you've got it right. And so what I've realized is you, you can't really argue with people who are continually in the position of believing that they are right in most issues. <laughs> but what we see in this in the entirety of the scripture and what we see in these passages we we just talked about is like yeah 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 the like uh God's people thought they were right the Moabites are the bad ones oh wait here comes Ruth oh the people from us are the bad ones the foreigners are the bad ones the eunuchs are the bad ones the Samaritans are the bad ones every time they were pointing at something to like exclude a little bit later God comes along and says, yeah, 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 they're actually in too. <laughs> so what do you do with that? What do you do with that? Maybe, maybe what it means is that in order for me to understand God a little bit better, in order for me to step into the story a little bit deeper, in order for me to live a bit of a richer life, maybe it means the things that I'm most resistant to right now the things that I push back against the most right now <laughs> is that I have to figure out how to love them too and understand that maybe they're going to be in too eventually. <laughs> it's the sneaky emu. It's the sneaky freaking emu. The whole story is expanding and moving forward. The whole story is expanding that it's more and more inclusive and more and more open and more and more people are being brought into unity are being accepted into the presence and the assembly are being welcomed into the kingdom are being called the children of God. Even the people that used to be out according to our thinking. Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. Okay, my friends, uh, this has been episode number 100. There we go. Yeah. Thank you both for cheering for that. Oh, shoot. Guys, I didn't even start with this. I forgot. One of the biggest, one of the, I, I buried the lead. I totally buried the lead as we're wrapping up. I should have put this at the top. Uh... Because I, I, I was waiting for this moment, for this episode, to tell you this. My work is ready. My work is ready. My book is now ready. You guys are the first people to hear it. I haven't really told many people yet, but my written copy and audible copy of my book is now available on Amazon. Uh, it's called Life is Beautiful. I know I've been talking about it. Like You're like, oh, yeah, like we didn't know that. It's called Life is Beautiful. Uh, unless you grew up with a traditional view of God in the world, um, then you might not think it is, but maybe this book will help. Yeah, it's an absurdly long subtitle, but I think it's wonderful. I think it's absolutely wonderful. And uh, I actually downloaded it myself so I could just like like re-listen re to it because I recorded it and it's all in sections and I haven't heard it all put together. So I used one of my Audible credits to download it myself. <laughs> And I, I'm, I'm excited. Um, I'm excited. So you guys, you know, hey, check it out. Uh, Amazon.com. You can order a book that I wrote. Look, you've had 100 free episodes. 
So stop complaining, order the book. I get like a couple bucks out of it. <clears throat> and obviously my goal here in all of this is to make a lot of money and become a bazillionaire. <laughs> because the way you become a bazillionaire is to question uh, the religious masses. Yeah, that'll work. That worked out for a lot of people, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or you just get put to death. Either way, I'll, uh, I'll be free from uh, worrying about money. There you go. Uh, so I'm excited about it. I think it's pretty decent. Um, and hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I'll start to actually like let people know that it's out there and who knows it's going to be, it, it's a, it could, could be, could be onto something or it could just, uh, hover in the digital world forever without much attention. Either way, uh, I'm, 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 I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. I, it's something that I created. It's, it's my little gift into the world. It's me doing something. It's me working on guiding and shaping and creating uh, new ways to think about God and hopefully make the world a bit of a better place. So, yeah, go go buy it. Go check it out. Life is beautiful. Unless you grew up with a traditional view of God in the church, God in the world, then you might not think it is, but maybe this book will help. Ah, yeah, there you have it. Episode 100, it's a big deal. We're having, uh, the book is complete and, uh, yeah, life will move forward. And then in a couple of weeks, no one will remember and we'll have to, uh, keep doing other things. That's the way it goes. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Mom, thank you for listening. This has been the Sneaky Emu episode number 100. Uh, I'm sending you all the love in your general direction. God bless. And we'll talk to you later. We're here to unlearn teachings of the church and the state. We're here to drink beer. We're here to kill war. 